Well, I invite you to open your Bible to the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings. We have a young man named Jacob. He's a college student. Uh, his family lives near us. They're friends and come to church here. And uh, recently, he invited several young college students to go to church with him one Sunday, and they all agreed. The problem was that uh, Saturday evening, his friends, now not Jacob, <clears throat> but those friends that had said they would go to church went out and, well, they, you know, they partied. <laughs> they drank quite a bit. So Sunday morning, he shows up to pick them up for church. Some of them are still feeling the effects. But they agree to go with him anyway. And so eight of his buddies load into his car, some sitting on top of the others, and uh, he takes them to church that day. Isn't that good? He takes them to church. Well, later he was telling his mom about that, and she asked him, well, son, what were you going to do if a cop pulled you over? He said, I was just going to tell him I'm taking all my drunk friends to church. <laughs> I really wish we had more people like Jacob. The world needs young people like that. Truth is, the world needs people of all ages like that, and God wants all of us to be like that. Can you just imagine what would be going on this morning in this place if each of us had done what he did and invited eight people to come to church with us? Can you imagine what would be happening in this room in the presence of God right now if you, me, each and every one of us did what he did. See, God blesses effort, obedience, and service. Sometimes the truth is young people show the rest of us what it means to have passion and love Jesus. Sometimes young people can show us, remind us of what matters most. Because sometimes, not always, but occasionally as we get on in years and life happens and so on, sometimes, isn't this true, sometimes we can get in a rut. We, we can get in a rut when it comes to our marriage, get in a rut when it comes to, to jobs. We can get in a rut when it comes to our health, get in a rut spiritually. Get in a rut when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And sometimes, I'm not saying always, but sometimes the longer we're saved, the more we tend to take Jesus for granted because we're just so used to him being around all the time. And sometimes we just get comfortable. Any of you ever walked into your house and you look at that wall and you say it needs a paint job? And you've been saying that for 10 years. Right? I've been there. You've been there? Because we get comfortable. It's familiar. And I think the same thing happens with us in Jesus. Happens in our spiritual lives. And sometimes we need some young people with some passion to remind us of what we're supposed to have. Because the truth is, Jesus in Revelation said, I hate it when you're lukewarm. I'd rather you be boiling hot and on fire or dead cold, but not in between. Sometimes we need some young people to remind us of that. In this sermon series on loving God, loving the Lord, you remember what uh, Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 30? Love the Lord your God how? 
with all your heart, with all your what? Your soul, with all your your mind and with all your strength. Does that sound like a half-hearted love? Does that sound like a lukewarm and passionless love? Does that sound like somebody who's on fire and 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 and, and not just just showing up but but going the extra mile? Love the Lord with everything you have. This morning we're going to look at the example of a young man in the Old Testament who did that very thing, who loved God that way. And he had a had an impact. He made a difference. And so 2 Kings chapter 22 is where his story begins. And, and uh, Josiah is the young man's name. And, and to me he's a very inspiring person. Just, just the way he went about things, the passion that he did it with. Very encouraging. He's a great example. And I want you to think about this. He was eight years old when he became king of Judah. Eight years old. You remember from our study of the minor prophets that when he became king, the northern kingdom of Samaria had already been destroyed by the Assyrians. And so only the southern kingdom of Judah remained. He's eight year old, eight year old boy, and he becomes king. His father. And his grandfather, kings before him, between them, had reigned for 57 years. And the Bible says that both of them, his father and grandfather, did evil in the sight of God. The nation drifted from God, turned its back on God, began worshiping idols. In fact, they they placed in the temple and in the capital of Jerusalem and all around the nation places to worship pagan gods. They actually got rid of some of uh, some of the stuff to worship God in the temple and replaced it with pagan stuff. And and allowed the temple to go into disrepair. And it's in that environment, that culture, those circumstances. By the way, does that sound a little bit like today? It was in that environment that this eight-year-old boy named Josiah becomes king upon his father's death. And so if you have your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 22, beginning with verse 1, the Bible says Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned, he ruled 31 years in Jerusalem. So from the age of 8 to the age of 39, he was king. He was killed in battle when he was 39. And the interesting thing is verse 2. Look at verse 2. The Bible says that he, Josiah, this is a summation of his life. He did right in the sight of the Lord. Walked in all the ways of his father David. That's referring back generations to King David from whom he was a descendant. And, and whenever there was a king who loved God, they would say he, he did like David. He walked in the path of David. And remember the Bible says about King David, he was a man after what? God's own heart. It's amazing how much the Bible talks about the heart. And remember in the, in the Hebrew, the Old Testament, the heart includes the mind and the heart, the, the, the thinking, the reasoning, the decision-making, as well as the emotions and the feelings. And so here's David, a man after God's own heart, and Josiah, this, this, this king born into such a, a, a tough time, an, a, a time of religious just mediocrity, if not worse. And the Bible says that he walked after his father David, the heart. He didn't. He he did what was right in the sight of God. In the end of verse two, he didn't turn to the right. He didn't turn to the left. He just stayed on the path. See, sometimes I think it. I think we we assume 
We, we assume that we're going to go through seasons of life where we just shake our fists in the face of God and rebel against him. We just, we just assume that every teenager is going to turn their back on God, that every, every college student and young adult is going to do that, and sooner or later they'll come back. And I'm telling you that's an assumption from the pits of hell. Why would you ever turn any teenager or any college student or any young adult over to Satan? Over to this world. Now, do we know some will do that? Absolutely. But why would we ever take that as a, as a way of life and say it's going to happen for everybody and we're okay with that? This was a young man who walked after God, didn't turn to the right, didn't turn to the left. He stayed true. He stayed on the path. And I'm thankful for young people who do that and show us who are older what we're supposed to be doing as well. Now what's interesting is in 2 Kings, nothing is said about his teenage years. The next time we pick up the story in verse 3, it's the 18th year of his king. So if he became king when he was 8, add to that 18, he's 26 years old. He's a young man. Nothing's told to us about his teenage years. To, to understand that, we have to look in the book of Chronicles. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, I want you to look at this and what it tells us about Josiah. A little bit of the same thing in Kings and then some addition. Josiah was eight years old. He becomes king, ruled 31 years in Jerusalem, did right in the sight of God, walked in the way. Same thing, right? Now let's go to verse 3. Verse 3, look at that. For in the eighth year of his reign, how old would he be? Eight plus eight is what, church? See, they're not teaching you new math, so you know how to add. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> eight plus eight, he's now 16 years old. He's a teenager. He's in high school in our culture, right? And what does it tell us about this teenage boy? He began to do what? He made the decision as a young teenager to say, my heart is going to belong to God. I'm going to chase after God. I'm seeking God. I'm going to love God. I'm going to serve God. Don't, don't you ever think when a teenager makes a decision that does not have lasting impact for life. When children make decisions that that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to transform them forever because often it does so he's a teenager he's 16 years old and he says i'm going to seek after god one of the things i love about josiah it did not matter to him that his daddy didn't love god did not matter to him that his grandfather did not love God. Did not matter to him that the, 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 the heritage he had received from his father and grandfather was not God honoring, was not faithful and obedient. In fact, it was godless. And he said, in spite of that, I'm going to seek after God. I'm going to love God. When I was in high school, God allowed me to uh, witness to my 75-year-old grandfather and see him accept Christ as his Savior. About a year and a half later, he went home to heaven. See, sometimes young people show us who are older 
what we're supposed to be doing. Sometimes my own past reminds me of what I'm supposed to be doing in the present. Teenagers, we'll have a lot more in the next service, but for the ones who are in this room and young adults, some of you come from families that don't love Jesus. Some of you come from families that go to church, but the members of your family, the parents and so on, they struggle spiritually. They go to church, they care, but they're just not always faithful. You see some issues in their life that concern you. Maybe you come from a family and they go to church, but it's a religious game. There's no passion for Jesus. There's no love and heart, soul, mind, and strength for Jesus. Or if there was, it's kind of become lukewarm like the book of Revelation. They've left their first love. And here's the thing I would say to young adults and teenagers and kids. You can show your parents how it's done. You don't have to be like them. You can lead the way. You can change the trajectory in the future of your family. You can love Jesus with every part of your being. And if you come from a family where you have parents who are more than just church people, but they just love Jesus and you know they love Jesus and they're godly and they're authentic and and, and it's written all over them, thank God you have that kind of heritage. And keep it going. But here's the thing. Never allow the circumstances in your life, whether it's your family your school, your work environment, your college. Never never allow the circumstances in life to determine whether or not you love Jesus, whether or not you're faithful to Jesus, whether or not you serve Jesus. You just choose in your own heart and your own mind, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to love God just like this young teenage boy named Josiah did. And I know there are some of you in this church, you come to church by yourself. You have a husband that doesn't love Jesus. You have a wife that doesn't love Jesus. You have kids that don't love Jesus. You have brothers and sisters that don't love Jesus. Sometimes you're the only one or one of just a handful of people in your family trying to do it right. But don't allow those circumstances to keep you from loving Jesus. Just keep loving him because if you quit, then your family has no hope of anything ever being any different, does it? So you show the way. Love Jesus no matter what. Love Jesus no matter what. Now let's look at the rest of verse verse 3, verse the, sec, uh, the second part of it. It says in the 12th year, now when he was in the 8th year when he was 16, he decided to seek after God. Four years later, in the 12th year of his kingship, he's now 20 years old, so he's a college student. He's a young adult. And the 12th year he began to what? Purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places and all of those things. In other words, all of that... False religious stuff, all of those idols, all those places of pagan worship, all of that stuff that his father and grandfather had made so prominent in the land. What did this 20-year-old college student do? He said, I've been seeking God, and God has shown me that that's all wrong. And as king, he got rid of all of it in the nation. So you don't have to be 50 years old to change the world. He was 20. You you don't have to wait until you're 30 to start doing significant stuff for God. 
teenagers can change a high school campus. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Well, if you go back to uh, 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 3, chapter 22, rather, verse 3, the Bible says in the 18th year of King Josiah. So he's been king 18 years. So now he's, what, 26 years old. So when he's, when he's 16, he says, I'm going to seek after God. When he's 20 years old, he brings about a religious revival and gets rid of all the pagan stuff. And now he's 26 years old, and, and, and he sends some of his representatives to the temple to check up on the work. In other words... Sometime before his 26th birthday, this young man who'd gotten rid of all the pagan idol worship said the temple that my grandfather in particular had about ruined because Manasseh, his grandfather, was the worst of the kings. He said, we're going to fix it up. It had fallen into disrepair. He said, we're going to clean it up, we're going to fix it up, and we're going to reinstitute some of the worship that's supposed to be happening there. And so in the next few verses of chapter 22 in Kings, he, he sends these representatives to check up on the work, make sure that the finances are in order and, and, and the workers are paid. And when those workers get there, when, when those workers get there, the high priest says, hey, we found something. Sort of like... The, the, uh, having the ribbon cutting for the remodeled courthouse in New York today. And Brother David, there's a time capsule, right? Where, where'd David go? Where's he at? He had, okay. We've got a time capsule we're bringing out this afternoon. Nothing like a preacher calling you out and you just stepped out. <laughs> yeah, 3 o'clock in New York. Sometimes you're, you're, you, have you ever been cleaning out anything at your house and you found something, you said, boy, I forgot that was even there. Huh? So they're, they're remodeling the temple. They're, they're, they're fixing it up. And the high priest finds something. You know what he found? The law that God gave Moses, the Pentateuch, the book of Deuteronomy. And he read it and said, Wow. And he gave it to the king's representatives, and they read it and they said, Wow. And they take it to King Josiah, who's now 26 years old, and, and he listens as they read it out loud to him, and, and he does more than go, wow. He goes, oh, me. Because in Deuteronomy, they're told that if the children of Israel, if the nation of Israel ever turned its back on God and went after pagan gods and pagan idols and did not obey the word of God, that God would judge that country. And and, and during Moses' time, centuries earlier, God made it clear that there would be another nation that they didn't know who would conquer them and take them away as slaves. Don't you tell me God doesn't know what's going to happen in my life a year from now or in your life 10 years from now or in this nation a century from now? And, and, and the Bible tells us when, when, he, when, he, when he heard all of that, he wept. He tore his clothes, a sign of grief and repentance, and he, and he began, to, he began to, to cry. Now, Think about this. The temple had been standing 
for years. For years, the priests have been showing up and doing their stuff. For years, the people have been coming. And they they didn't even know God's Word was around. No wonder they weren't following it. I mean, remodel the temple and and they find the Bible. No wonder they were so messed up all those years. They didn't even they didn't even know it was missing. When was the last time before this morning you read this? How how often do you read this? See, it may not be enclosed behind the sheetrock in your house and you don't know it's there. It can be on the coffee table. The nightstand by your bed. The bookshelf. But you don't ever pick it up and do anything with it. See, when, when, you, when you love somebody, you, you enjoy being with them. You enjoy conversation with them. You enjoy talking to them and hearing from them and keeping up with them. When you, when you love someone, that's just natural. Well, tell me, how do you love Jesus and never want to hear anything he says? See, it's, it's easier to be religious than it is to love Jesus. It's, it's easier to be a good church member than it is to love Jesus. Is, is the Word of God hidden away somewhere in your, in your life, or is it hidden in your heart? Well, chapter 22, verse 11, describes Josiah's reaction when the king heard the words of the the book of the law. He tore his clothes. And that grief, Chronicles tells us that he cried, he wept. And he wants to understand it even better. Now, he gets a good picture. He's smart enough that when he hears it, he gets it. But he said, I, I want a word from God. And so he sends his representatives to, 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 to the spiritual leaders. And, and by the way, when he's king, do you know who the prophets are? Jeremiah. Zephaniah. But the, ones, the one who sends a message back, back to Josiah is not Jeremiah and it's not Zephaniah. Someone else. It's, it's, it's a woman, a prophetess, one of five prophetesses in the Old Testament named Huldah. Starting in verses 14 and following. And, and, and she says to Josiah's representatives, go back and tell the king that 
God is going to judge Israel for, their, for her sin. Just like he said in Deuteronomy. And another nation is going to conquer them and nothing's going to change that. You, you remember in the Minor Prophets, we said sometimes a nation of people can reach the point that no matter what we do, the judgment of God is still going to fall. Repentance doesn't always prevent the consequences of wrong choices, correct? It brings about forgiveness and restoration, but sometimes the, the consequences are still going to come. There, there, are, there are adults today who are living with the consequences of the fact that when they were teenagers and when they were college students, they didn't choose to seek God and they made some choices and they're still paying for it. They may be right with God today, forgiven and living right today, but the consequences still follow, right? That's why when you're a young person, your decision to live for God or not live for God has an impact on your life in ways you can't imagine right now. But then she, 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 she told them that God was going to bless Josiah, even though the nation was still going to be judged. And let's go to the verses 18 and following and look at the blessings coming to Josiah. Here's what the word of the, of the Lord through this prophetess Huldah was for Josiah. But to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, regarding the words which you have heard, that he would heard read, the book of Deuteronomy. Because your heart was what? Now let me ask you, brothers and sisters, how soft is your heart right now toward Jesus? How soft is it? Has it scaled over any? How soft is your heart? How tender is your heart toward Jesus? And and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard his word. And, and, And you say toward the end of the verse, and you wept. You wept before God. Brothers and sisters, let me, let me ask, when was the last time that you not only got on your knees, but you put your face on the ground in the presence of God? When, when was the last time a tear flowed from your eyes you prayed to God? When, when was the last time your heart was so broken over your sin or your failure or your indifference that, that you couldn't help but just tremble in the presence of God? I've seen, I've seen people who've made really bad choices and mess up in big ways and, 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 and maybe they've been unfaithful to their spouse or they've done something to hurt their parent or hurt their child and, and I've seen them, they, they come to talk, they need some help and I, I've seen them broken and I've seen them weep because they hurt the one they love. When's the last, last time you wept because you weren't doing, because you weren't doing what Jesus told you to do? Because Josiah reacted that way, the Lord heard him. Look, look at verse 20. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you'll be gathered to your grave in peace, and your eyes will not see the evil which I will bring on this place. In other words, Josiah, I'm still going to judge the nation, but, but it will happen after you're in heaven because of the way you love me, the way 
you love me. Now, now get this picture as I try to pull this together. Here's Josiah. He's, uh, he's, he's 26 years old. And for 10 years, he's been living for God. 16 years old, goes after God. 20 years old, brings spiritual renewal. 26 years old, they're remodeling the temple. And he gets this message from God. God says, Josiah, you're okay. You've done well. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to be blessed. And, but I'm going to judge the nation, but it will be after you. So you, you, you won't have to deal with that. It will be after you. Now, what would you have done? Because God's made it clear the nation's going to be judged no matter what. What would you have done? Well, too bad for them. I've got it made. I'm okay. Too bad for them. Do you know what, you know what Josiah did? Chapter 23 of 2 Kings tells us all about it. Don't have time to read it, but, but, it, but it's, it's, it's there. He, he got the leaders political leaders, religious leaders, and all the people of the nation, and he gathered them in Jerusalem at the temple for a special worship service. Reminiscent of when Solomon dedicated the temple years before. And he had them stand as somebody read the law. They read the whole book of Deuteronomy out loud to the whole crowd. Now, brothers and sisters, I got news for you. That would have been a church service that lasted more than 60 minutes. And the king stood. And he made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his statutes with what? All his heart and all his soul. You, you, are you getting the picture of how often these phrases are repeated when it comes to really having a walk with Jesus Christ? So I'm going to obey the word of God. And look at the end of the verse. And all the people entered into the covenant. They said, us too. Now, God had already said, Josiah, judgment's coming. You can't stop it. But what did Josiah do? He said, that may be the, the truth, but God, I'm going to do everything I can, not only to love you, but I'm going to do everything I can to get everybody else to love you in the meantime. What's, what's your excuse? That this world's a mess. It's going to hell in a handbasket, this, that, and the other. And I'm saved, and I'm secure, and I'm forgiven, and I'm going to heaven. So I'm just going to sit back and enjoy my blessed assurance while the world dies lost. Josiah said in the time he had left, he was going to do everything he could do. To make a difference in his nation and among the people. And, and, and brothers and sisters, think about something. Even if the judgment of God was going to fall on the nation of Judah in the days to come, the people who were genuine in committing themselves to God with Josiah, guess what? They may have been there when the nation was judged, but when they died, where were they? Heaven. 
We may have kids and grandkids in America when the judgment of God falls on this country. But if they know Jesus, they're going to be in heaven. But if they don't know Jesus, if we don't tell them about Jesus, if our neighbors don't know Jesus, our co-workers don't know Jesus, because we're so comfortable in our blessed assurance, they're going to go to hell. Josiah said, yeah, that may be the future, and I can't change that, but I can make a difference in some individual lives. It's like young Jacob taking his drunk buddies to church on Sunday morning, isn't it? Maybe a mess out there. But I'm going to do what I can to change this world one life at a time, one person at a time, where I am in the sphere of influence that I have. See, when you, when you love God, you care about the spiritual condition of other people. When you love God, you care about the backslid. When you love God, you care about the lost and do everything you can to bring change into their life and to reach them. I love the way the Bible summarizes Josiah's life in chapter 23, verse 25. It says, before him, before Josiah, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to the law of Moses. Nor did any like like him arise after him. In other words, there was never a king before Josiah or one after Josiah who loved God the way Josiah did. Meaning he loved him even more than David. And it all started when he was 16 years old. So if God was to write the epitaph of your life, what would it say? If he was to talk about your love for him, how would he describe it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You, you, you try to keep the romance alive in your marriage. You need to keep the passion alive in your walk with Jesus Christ. And my brothers and sisters, you need to hear this. The person responsible for that isn't your mate. It isn't your Sunday school teacher. It isn't this preacher. The person responsible for your passion and your love for Jesus Christ is who? You. You. It's you. Husbands, you're going to love your wife? Guess who's responsible for that? Wives, you're going to love your husbands? Guess who's responsible for that? Christian, you're going to love Jesus? Guess who's responsible for that? Let's stand.